hit me. From Studio P in Sausalito, the home of the hit, it's time for... Suckatash. Yes, Suckatash, the comedy soundcast soundcast featuring snippets from comedy... Soundcast. And also interviews with comedians, comedian soundcasters, and other showbiz folk. And now, here's your host, internationally recognized comedy soundcast soundcaster, Mark... Howdy, listener. As our esteemed announcer Bill Haywatt has so aptly stated, you are listening to Suckatash, the comedy soundcast soundcast. And I am Mark Hershon, your host for the 305th edition of this 11-year-old audio entertainment production series. But I am only one of two hosts of Suckatash, you know. The other is Tyson Saner. And the two of us usually switch off hosting every other episode of the show so that this awesome task doesn't become too overwhelming and also so we can take time sampling and harvesting the finest, or at least most interesting, of what the legions of comedy soundcasts have to offer. Sometimes we even stray off the track of pure comedy offerings when it comes to genres. If you missed last week's episode 304, Tyson was serving up samples from a trio of shows, which included Hello Wonderful, Probably Should Have Known Better, and That Happens. You can still catch that installment at places like Apple and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Audible, Amazon Music, SoundCloud, Podchaser.com, Podbay, YouTube, and of course, on our own home site, SuckatashShow.com. Apologies, by the way, for the late dropping of this episode. I got a little overwhelmed with real-world stuff, and so it took a while to get to all the listening, clipping, and assembling this week's show, which is entitled Clips on a Whim. I'm offering snippets from a quartet of soundcasts, including Entry Level, Last Things First, Parks and Recollection, and Time Suck. I keep vowing to find our show some real sponsors to help pay for all the expenses we have that it takes to keep this show up and running, but so far, we still only have our one long-running and completely fictional advertiser, Henderson's Pants. Makers of fine trousery since 1683, and this week we are touting their exotic chillin' churidars. All right, without further ado, let's get clipping. Let's start with a show that's been around longer, I think, than Succotash called Last Things First, hosted by journalist-comedian Sean L. McCarthy. A product of his home site, thecomicscomic.com, this show has almost 400 episodes under Sean's belt. And it's totally engaging as he interviews comedians and other funny folks about what they consider historic firsts and lasts in their lives and careers. He recently talked to Bruce McCullough, from Kids in the Hall, and in just 30 minutes, they get pretty deep. In this clip, Bruce talks about their movie Brain Candy and also about some of the live shows they've had. So, you know, I mentioned Brain Candy because I started getting involved in improv in 96, and I remember watching it in the movie theater in Seattle near the University of Washington. And I I was in love with it then and remained so. And I, I think it even holds up even better since you did it before the opioid epidemic. Right. Was it how, how, cause you, you know, you talk all, you guys talk a lot about it in the documentary and then you directly reference it in the new season. Right. How, 
How, how has your opinion of it changed over the years? Well, you know, I think brain candy is a pretty good, weird... You know, my wife says everything we touch turns to cult. And it is the prime example of that. I think it is the product of a very dark time for us. The show was over. Scott's brother had killed himself. Kevin's mm. marriage was breaking up. And, and, and. And we we're, were on the outs with Dave. So it just feels... The footage just feels... I, it just feels dark to me mm. because there was not a lot of joy in the bellies of the boys performing. I think the fact that we could revisit it, because we've done a few staged readings of it that audiences really like and we do music and stuff, the fact that we could revisit it meant we had healed sort of our greatest failure. And, the, you know, the documentary on us is excellent. The, the thing it didn't seem to have time for was part of that was because of Cancer Boy, because mm. I muscled Cancer Boy into that movie against all odds and they withdrew all their um, advertising revenue. Oh wow. I don't know if it would have performed better, but that was that was us and you know as, as the docs called com- comedy punks, that is the example of saying no. And of course I famously said to the person I was talking on the phone to for 2 hours to keep cancer boy in the film I said it's important cuz my mom died of cancer and of course my mom is still alive. <laughs> So death has not come to town. Death has not come to town. Well, <laughs> well it almost did, because Scott had cancer doing that. But right. um, no, we're... No, my, my mom's had seven heart attacks, but she just she just keeps going. I think she likes riding the ambulance is why she has those heart attacks. Did you? Did any of you go back and watch Brain Candy as part of the documentary or as part of re-referencing it this season? No, I, I don't... I Maybe Scott. Um, you know, I have teenage children. They've never watched it. I... I I've only watched it... No, I haven't watched it. I haven't watched it in many, many years. Hmm. Maybe I will. Yeah. But no, I don't want to watch myself. <laughs> you also have your own uh, one-man show that you're doing in June of 2022 here in New York at Soho Playhouse. Thank you. No, thank yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> no, you... Uh, it's called, you're the one doing yeah, the show, so yeah, thank well, you. It's a lot of work, but I love it. It's called Tales of Bravery and Stupidity. Now, I know, you know, I watched... Kevin did a, his own show in 2019, and he did it across the street from the West Bank. Right. I think for, for sentimental reasons? I have no idea. I don't no, know. No, probably they booked him. Yeah. It's the only place that would have him. And Scott tried to do a show that Paul co-wrote with him in 2001 that was supposed to do Off-Broadway here, but it was September of 2001, so it got canceled. Yes, he put up his posters before September 11th. His po- show was supposed to uh, open September 12th, <laughs> and uh, he had all these posters. With him with, I-, I think I can say semen on his face, was his thing, <laughs> the lowest show in the world. He-, he thinks that was the tragedy. I mean, the Twin Towers was a tragedy, but mm-hmm. he thinks my show didn't get to open. But I've, listen, I've come to do what those gentlemen could not do. Come with dignity and respect and lay it down for the good people of New York. Well, I guess my question is, did, did you learn anything from, from their shows that, that helped you decide, okay, this is the time, this is, this is what I want to do, and this is how I want to tell my side of the stories? Uh, yes and no. I mean, when I, one of the reasons I, I signed on to do the Kids in the Hall series, I had seen Scott's show, and I thought it was so effing brilliant that that man needed to be back in culture in a different way again. Um, but for me, I've always done one-person shows, sometimes with the guitarist from The Shadowy Man, and, and this time I'm just using his music. Um, but it's, no, it just worked out perfectly because of the time we've been through and sort of the uh, gurgling 
underbelly of my work has always been, which people don't quite sometimes understand, has been a kind of a crazy humanity that I have for people. And I think we've been through a time that has been, of course, they say unprecedented, it's a boring word now, a horrific catastrophe for every person. And I think there's something about that that makes me, and I've been do, I've, you know, doing the show in Toronto, makes me want to reach out to people and be super funny and talk about dark humor and gallows humor getting us through and stuff. But it just feels like a really good time in my life to just be able to commune with an audience. Most of the Last Things First shows run about 30 minutes, and Sean is an engaging interviewer, so they're pretty tasty chats. If you're a Kith fan, that's K-I-T-H, the acronym for Kids in the Hall, or even if you're not, don't miss the new documentary Kids in the Hall Comedy Punks or the new season six of their show on Amazon Prime. I didn't really watch the NBC sitcom Parks and Rec during its original run on TV, but I did end up loving it with my wife when we binge-watched the hell out of it during the pandemic lockdown. Now there's a watch-along soundcast for it in the vein of Office Ladies for the Office. It's called Parks and Recollection, hosted by actor and series regular Rob Lowe, along with writer-director Andy Yang. They do a one-for-one episode breakdown of the show, and they're currently up to season three. I clipped their show about episode five from that season entitled Media Blitz, and the guys talk about this being the first time the show gets into a local morning radio show called Crazy Ira and the Douche. This is the the first big um, Crazy Ira and the Douche episode where where they get a lot of screen time. I think they've been on before, if I'm not. I think they might have been mentioned. I'm not sure if they appear. Greg, we can maybe check on that. But, uh, you know, one of the things I would definitely want to talk about was Nick Kroll, who, you know, at the time was... You know, was somewhat established, but was still a bit up and coming. You know, this was a, a decade ago, if not a little more. And, you know, now he's he's carved out such an amazing place for himself. You know, he created the show Big Mouth um, and he did Oh Hello with John Mulaney. And, and he's just done so much. I'm so happy for Kroll. Uh, he and I go way back. And I remember when he was, you know, an up and coming stand up and improv guy and, and, and just kind of getting out there. And, and Kroll just you know, treats everyone with a lot of respect and he's super funny and, and really talented. And it's, it's good to see a, a good guy uh, really, really come into his own. And, and uh, man, he's, he's got his own comedy empire now. So shout out to Kroll. He's amazing in this. And what better guy to do multiple voices than Nick Kroll? You know, he, he's, he's able to do it all. But these morning shows are insane. And like, so you have to, like, if you're in LA, here's a little behind the show business thing. You're in LA, you're in the LA time zone, right? But these sh- morning shows are obviously during the morning, during drive time. So you have to get up like five in the morning, LA time to do drive time East Coast. So you're like, no coffee, barely awake. And they're like, um, you're going to be on in, f- in about 30 seconds. You'll be talking to <laughs> Billy and, and Silly from Philly. And it's the morning Zoo River. They come on and they're just like, ah! And you're like, good, what the, it, and they all sound exactly alike. No matter what city you're in, it's the river, it's the zoo, it's the gang, whatever it is. Yeah, that was kind of the origin of this story, I think, is like every city has it, right? In LA, when I was growing up, it was Kevin and Bean. So it was Kevin and Bean, and uh, they had, by the way, Jimmy the sports guy was Jimmy Kimmel. He ended up becoming very, very successful, but he was the radio guy. And yeah, it's, it's this morning zoo type thing. We also loved thinking about and pitching on the sound effects that the 
uh, kind of unfortunately named China Joe uh, would play because uh, um, Greg Levine, there's actually a little tidbit, Greg Levine would play sound effects in the writer's room, as we've mentioned in the past. And in later episodes, he would uh, replace China Joe as uh, the character Jewish Greg. So he would actually be play essentially himself <laughs> in the show and he would play the sound effects. And by the way, same kind of deadpan expression, which really cracked me up in this. And, um, you know, there are some there's some there's some gems in this. I'd certainly there's this joke uh, that seems to me like a Harris Whittles joke, which is uh, Leslie saying there will be hay rides at the Harvest Festival. And uh, Curl says, hey, ride me is what Crazy Iris mom said to me. So there there, there we go. That's very, uh, very vaudeville. Very vaudeville. I'll never forget when I got named Jewish Greg, because I think it's realized that's the part I was born to play <laughs> when we were in the. The writer's room and the actor played China Joe, who's amazing, wasn't available, right? And everyone said I should do it based on playing sound effects in the writer's room. And I think Mike said, well, what should he be called? And it might have been Dan Gore. It probably was Dan Gore from across the room shouts, Jewish Greg. No thought instantly put in the script. No other second pitch. It was... Perfect. There you go. Another Jewish man identifying you. <laughs> in the it wasn't anti-Semitism. It was another Jewish guy. It was okay. We're all good. Um, but yeah, this was this was so fun to shoot. And you'll notice there's a little Easter eggs during these uh, call-in segments. The people calling in are a bunch of the writers. So the first guy who calls in is me, is, 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 is me doing the phone call. And for some reason, adopting a slight Southern accent. Not not from you, South, but, but you, you yeah. gotta you know you gotta stretch. You like gotta I'm saying. You know, perform a little bit. He this character's from Eagleton in the show, so you know he's a slight Southern accent. It's uh it, it doesn't it doesn't really make sense, but it got in the cut. So there it is. They frequently have guests from the Parks and Rec cast on the show, so check out Parks and Recollection at a Soundcast distribution point near you. We'll be back with more Succotash after this important message about pants. Bonjour, amigos. Bill Haywatt here to ask, just how relaxed are you? Well, not just right now, but at any time, day or night, whether you're working or just kicking it around the house. Unless you've always got either half a heat on or have been prescribed Thorazine, chances are that most of the time, you're as uptight as a nun at a bishop's beer blast. Well, we're here to help you change that state of mind, and all you have to do is slip into a pair of Henderson's Chillin' Churidars. Yes, modeled after the classic Churidar pajamas of South Asia, these comfortable pants are wide at the waist and narrow at the ankle, making them perfect leisure pants, especially if you like to stuff your face and then fall asleep promptly afterwards. And while you'd think you'd have to be sporting either a kurta if you're a man, or a kameez if you're a woman, these chillin' churidars have been specially designed by Hendersons for those with a western sense of style. So throw on your favorite t-shirt, tank top, or just go topless around the house for the ultimate in comfortable lounging. While at work, it's always casual Friday when you're sporting an airy, comfy pair of Henderson's Chillin' Churidars, even if you're required to wear a jacket and tie. Originally designed for Haji from Johnny Quest, I Dream of Genie, and the harem eunuchs of Kuala Lumpur, Henderson's Chillin' Churidars are perfect when you want to sling your sack and butt into something saggy. That's Henderson's, makers of Salwas and Farshi since 15. And now back to Succotash. Dan Cummins is the host of Time Suck, which is more than a comedy soundcast. 
He's a funny guy, but some of the episodes dip into some pretty gruesome stuff. True crime and murder topics, but then he has episodes about cryptids and UFOs and cults. And well, with almost 300 episodes, each running between two and three hours in length, Time Suck covers an amazing array of topics. Our clip is from episode 286 from March of this year, entitled Betty White, More Than a Golden Girl. It's an amazingly in-depth retrospective of her life, with a few detours that may not be entirely factual. Uh, after taking a year or so to grieve, Betty got back at it, uh, back into acting, after a, uh, a brief, very interesting period of riding with a local Hells Angels motorcycle club chapter. She wanted to shake things up, hit the road, not think about her former life, right? Get out in the open air, hit the highway. Normally women, of course, as we learned in that episode, not allowed in the Hells Angels. Actually, no woman has ever been patched in or even prospected other than Betty fucking White. Uh, years later, she will be buried in her chapter vest. She stopped being an active member in the organization after nearly killing several men in an altercation between her chapter and some members of the Cleveland Steamers Motorcycle Club at a rally uh, in Indiana. Uh, you know, I'll let the longtime president of the Cleveland Steamers uh, just tell us what happened. Hey, everybody. I'm, uh, I'm Tooch Martinez, founder, godfather, original charter president for the Cleveland Steamers Motorcycle Club. And I want to tell you about the time I got into a little scuffle with Betty White. When I met her, uh, she was going by the earlier stage name, uh, Betty White Power again. And she was in a real dark place. In my club and her Hell's Angel chapter, some Mongols, Bandidos, uh, Sons of Silence, and some more real tough writers, you know? We're all in Indianapolis for a Phil Collins concert. Right before he recorded No Jacket Required. That's a great album. Uh, that concert was the first time I heard uh, Susudio. <laughs> su 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 oh, oh, oh. Anywho, me and the guys were on the parking lot after the show. Knocking back some uh, black cherry flavored uh, Seagram's wine coolers. Uh, some kind they don't make anymore when up rolls Betty. And I'm like, whoa, Suan Nivens from Mary Tyler Moore? And she says to me, and I'll never forget this. She says, nah, fool. Betty White Power from Life Inside Elizabeth. Everyone's getting drilled. All holes must be filled. And then she took out a pair of nunchucks. Knocked out three of my best guys, you know, cold. She walked over to me without breaking stride. She grabbed me by the throat, licked the side of my face all slow and creepy like. And then she said, get scooting, toots. And before turning and walking back to her bike, she gave me like a weird little like flick in the balls. Not sure if she was flirting or if it was like a warning or some kind. And, and I'm not ashamed to say, I did as I was told. Oh, toots scooted. And I never saw her again. Uh, sorry, uh, that was, uh, I, I don't know what the fuck that was. <laughs> I just missed toots, you know, I want to hear from him. What I meant to say earlier. Of course she wasn't the fucking Hells Angels. Was after taking a year or so off work to grieve Alan's death, Betty got back at it, acting. Uh, from 1983 to 1984, Betty starred in Mama's Family, a spinoff of The Carol Burnett Show, which she'd appeared on several times between 1967 and, 1970, uh, and 1978. Uh, we didn't even mention that. It, it would be tiresome to list out all of her performances. Her IMDb page, that internet movie database, lists almost 500 performance credits. It's fucking unreal. Uh, excuse me, Betty was glad to get back to work because, as she said, you spend your work hours pretending to be someone else, which literally forces you out of yourself. The plot of Mama's family re revolved around a mother's death and her children's family dynamics afterwards. Uh, Betty played the role of Mean Ellen. The audience loved it so much, Betty signed on for seven of the 13 episodes. Uh, Betty did not love, uh, love her time on the show, though, because privately, she said, the timing was just a little too close to my own situation for comfort. Uh, 1983, Betty hosts the game show Just Men, and she became the first woman to ever win an Emmy for hosting a game show. 
Uh, Betty got the job after receiving a call from Rick Rosner, producer of Hollywood Squares. Uh, he wanted a female MC for his new show. Betty had been offered host positions in the past, but the opportunities always fell through because networks didn't think audiences were ready yet still for a female host. So Betty was skeptical, but went to the meeting anyway, intrigued by the show idea. The show's format was seven celebrity men each episode, writing down their answers to personality-based questions. Then two female contestants try to predict these answers. Each girl chooses one of the men and has 60 seconds to ask yes or no questions. Based on what she learned, she tries to guess the response to the original question. If correct, she gets a set of keys. Whichever girl has the most car keys by the end of the episode gets to sleep with all the celebrities. Uh, it was like a swinger thing. No, uh, they got to pick a car and try to start it. And if the car started, she got to keep it. And if the car didn't start, Betty White uh, would put a gun to her head and, you know, execute her. Or she would be invited back to try again on the next show. If you're looking to go deep into something, say you have a long drive ahead maybe, check out all that Time Suck with Dan Cummins has to offer. Entry Level with Brooks Whelan features the host, a comedian who has the distinction of being a cast member for a single season on Saturday Night Live from 2013 to 2014, who talks to people, mostly fellow comedians, but also just regular folks, about not just their careers, but specifically what jobs they held just before deciding to get into whatever their main endeavor became. Our clip comes from Brooks's recent episode 231, where his guest was Mitra Juhari, an actor, comedian, and writer who you also may know from her adult swim show, The Three Debras. And she also co-hosts a soundcast with Joel Kim Booster called Urgent Care. Shortly after moving to New York to pursue her still-defining-itself career, Mitra took a gig working in a mattress store. Danny Yang, I sold mattresses. That was my job right before... Where at? Casper. I worked in their New York showroom. Okay. Um, and that was my, like, last sort of day job before working in TV. Okay, hold on. Casper. I cannot... So you... People come in... Because Casper's thing is they send you a mattress, right? They send you a mattress, but, but you, they have this... You worked in the store. Yes, I... <laughs> it's like a, it's like an online company. So, like, they... You can't buy... The, like, you... So... They had this like huge, beautiful apartment in Soho, and I would go there a few days a week and just sit in the apartment in Soho. And then every now and then, <laughs> people would come in and like try out the mattress. They would like lay on the mattress and see if they liked it. And then they'd ask me questions. I'd be like, "Yeah, Casper mattress is actually amazing because it's three layers. And there's like a foam layer, then there's this layer, and there's this layer. And then uh, you know, knowing all this trivia, but it was amazing because a I wasn't." on commission and mm -hmm. B there was only one kind of mattress so I didn't have to know anything about anything you just got to hang out get paid and probably watch comedy yeah and just like like I was working there with friends and like I would just write all day yeah and, like it was amazing that's yeah. a great New York job it was perfect okay. I, I loved that job I've loved every pretty much every job I've had <laughs> I love like busing and working at Casper were like two of my favorite jobs ever well there's something like so like wonderful about um just job jobs compared to entertainment jobs you know what I mean like structure. it's like you structure you a it, it's like there it, you finish something it's yeah. done you move on to another task versus like writing. It's like, is it done? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You tell me if it's fucking done. Yeah. Like, when is it done? It's never I, done. I miss so much just like the idea of like a task that they're like, that's why I like Legos. Like, did you ever <laughs> watch the South Park documentary, Six Days to Air? Yes, I love that. And like, I really started getting it like later of like how Trey, when he's freaking out, he just puts together Legos. Mm. And it's like, oh, he just wants some structure for a second. Yes. And I was like, oh yeah, that's just like any sort of 
That's a how I plus feel B about equals C. pottery. I started doing pottery a few yeah. years ago. And it's like, it's just enough activity that I like can't spin out about other stuff. Because mm-hmm. you have to be very like physically and mentally present or else you fuck up the thing that you're making on the wheel. Whoa. Dude, can you, will you send me a photo of your favorite pottery thing you've made and I'll yes. put it on the Instagram? Oh, uh, yeah, I will. Okay, that's very exciting. So you decide to go to New York. You're kind of getting hired in and out to PA at The Daily Show. Uh, you have this other job at Casper. Mm-hmm. What start? How long does that go on before things start rocking? I was at Casper not for very long, uh, like four months or something. That's like that. awesome. Mm-hmm. But I, w- I before that I like I interned at Late Night with Seth Meyers, like oh. post dropping out. When? Um, twenty fifteen. So I was. I mean, I would go. I was there. So I did half. Seth hired me to go do SNL and then mm-hmm. left halfway through. And I was like, but that's my, that's the guy. <laughs> and then when he was gone, I was fucked. Uh, but I would, I was there when he started late night and I would go down to his offices and just be so jealous of how friendly and wonderful that environment was. Everyone was so nice. I yeah. got really lucky. It was like I, the anti SNL vibe. It was very warm. Um, both places I, I was at were really, really nice to me. Yeah. Um, and plus you're there with Connor mm-hmm. and uh, who, I mean, everybody was there then. Ben Warheit and Chioke. I, ben like, is so fun. Ben just did a thing this week on the show that made me really laugh. Oh, really? But, um, fuck, who, uh, um, oh, I, Michelle Wolf was there then. Michelle Wolf was yeah. there. Uh, those are like my favorite comedians. This is, all those people are so unique and wonderful. It was really cool. Um, yeah, and that's why I was there for my first like six months post moving to New York. Okay. Um, and you're an intern or a PA? I was an intern. Okay. Um, but I, I, what does that? What does an intern do at the Daily Show and a late night show? Well, at Daily Show, you had we were in like different departments, so like it was a lot of just like running errands and like doing stuff around the office. But then like in downtime, like there was this uh, one of the directors, Paul Penalino, was like so sweet and would like show me what all the screens did and what they all meant and stuff. And like I did learn a lot, uh, but it was a lot of like we need a snow cone machine. Go out in the snow and find one. Go to eighteen stores and then getting back with like a snow cone machine and having it be like. Actually, we cut the bit. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then at Seth Meyers, I was in scripts, so I was just running new copies of scripts everywhere. Um, yeah. And like scanning a lot of stuff. But um, I mean, just like absorbing all the comedy that's happening. It was awesome. Yeah. I and was like, I was so happy. And also, it takes the fucking it demystifies it so much when you see it being made every day. Yeah. Yeah. It made it. Le- I mean, it definitely was still very intimidating, and f- still even then felt incredibly inaccessible. But. Right. Um, Maybe like 10% less so. Yeah. The, the first time I ever saw a TV show being made was I was in the cold open of SNL. And I was like, I should have seen, I should have watched one of these before I did it. <laughs> this is so fucking scary. It's scary. Yeah. It's such a big machine and yeah. so many people making it happen. Check out Entry Level with Brooks Whelan. He welcomes stories from every walk of life when it comes to revealing those humble first job beginnings. So there's even a number that you can call in and tell your story. Even though I was running behind and putting this show together this week, I would be remiss if I didn't quickly dig into the tweet sack, help me out here, Tweety, and share the handles of those folks who are nice enough to mention at Succotash Show and their socials during the past couple of weeks. Travis Clark, The Jock Doc Podcast, Now Hip Hop News, Hunter Block, Wheelbarrow Full of Dicks, <laughs> Kate Brunt, Dr. Collision, and pause the dinosaur hunter, Misfit Scully, Guitar Suncat, Amonis Franco, Sean Pratton, Sensibly Cynical, I Shake My Head with Lisa and Sam, B3F Podcast, 
the best fucking friends forever soundcast but i understand that steven is angry one of the hosts left and now there's just one friend left sad the lords of swine the multiverse of badness the star wars skinny ty nisley amalgam comics green cows don't fly podcast shoot the flick none of my friends like comics podcast rum runners pod and the let's chat podcast all you have to do to get into the tweet sack is to drop our at succotash show handle into your socials if i see it i'll mention you in the next rundown time for me to get out of here and unload this late entry don't forget that tyson saner will be back in this same feed next week with epi 306 in the meantime if you're running late for a flight with your earbuds dangling out of your ears as you jog down the airport concourse and someone heading the other direction asks if you've heard anything good lately, won't you please pass the succotash? You've been listening to Succotash, the comedy soundcast soundcast with your host, Mark Hershaw. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants and... Imagine your company's name right here. Rate us and review us at Apple and Google Podcasts. Find us on the web at SuckatashShow.com. On Stitcher. On iHeartRadio. On YouTube. On SoundCloud. And wherever fine soundcasts are streamed and or downloaded. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SuckatashShow. Like us on Facebook. Email us at ma. ARC at SuccotashShow.com or call into the Succotash Skype line at our toll call number 818-921-7212 You can also upload clips from your favorite comedy soundcasts directly to us using our direct upload link at Hightail.com slash you slash Succotash Succotash is produced and engineered by Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P. Sausalito, the home of the hit. Our hosts are Mark Hershon and Tyson Saner. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Durges. Succotash is executive produced by Mark Hershon. Until next time, I'm your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please pass the Succotash goodbye. This has been a Succotash Patch production.